The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Thanks for joining us. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Fascinating interviews and compelling conversations. Be present. The Diane Ray Show. Welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining me. I'm Diane Ray, and thanks for being present and checking in with me today. I'm excited about the show. This is going to be great because I'm a big reader. I mean, if you could see my messy office, I actually posted a picture of my office not too long ago. There's books stacked up everywhere. I'm always in the middle of reading something. And uh, I've been rereading a book that had been out for a little while before uh, called The Celestine Prophecy. A lot of you will remember this. Every once in a while, a book will come along that captures people's imaginations about what can be possible for our lives and for humanity as a whole. And my guest today, James Redfield, has written such a book, The Celestine Prophecy. It's been so much fun to go back and, and reread this. I had read it, you know, years ago, and it was just so great to dive back into it again. The book was originally published in 1993, and this is one of those books that's been passed around from friend to friend, and it's become a spiritual classic. It's a great adventure story, as well as a book to open you up to a new world of insight, synchronicity, and human evolution. And the book's been re-released, so I urge all of you to dive back into it again or read it for the first time. And it's got a new afterword on how to discover your own Celestine experience. So I've spent the past few days doing that. And I'm really happy to welcome the author today, James Redfield, to the show to talk about it. So James, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Well, thank you. Nice to be with you. Well, it's nice that you could check in. So I just wanted to kind of give the listeners a little bit of a frame of reference you know, from the time frame that the book was first written, you know, this was pre 9-11, you know, pre the recession of 2008, and you were working as a therapist and administrator in the field of social services. So I just wanted you to kind of bring us back to that time. What was going on with you in your life at that time and what sparked you to write the book? Well, you know, I was, uh, I was a, uh, a therapist working with um, uh, teenagers and their families. And, uh, but I was always, uh, I had been for a long time, uh, a, a, a fond, uh, advocate of the human potential. And, and as you know, that, that, uh, was happening in the uh, 70s and 80s. And, it, uh, you know, it, it was a kind of uh, intellectual and maybe even scientific approach to, you know, what are the, the key spiritual slash psychological experiences that we can have in terms of uh, finding our dream life, finding what we want to do in life. And I, at that time, was uh, thinking uh, about writing, and and I realized that there were there were nine steps that I think were out there in the literature. It, it sort of was permeating into society at large, and these steps were kind of uh, steps to enter into a, a more creative consciousness and, and turn into all the abilities that we have to create in this world. And so 
I really wanted to do a kind of psychology of spirituality, you know, kind of book uh, at first, and then I figured, and I found it, you know, it, that just was boring. It was just conceptual and, and academic, and I just, I just put that away. And what I did was try to create a story instead, based on my experiences and other people's experiences that I thought were. Uh, on the leading edge at that point. And um, so I created this book, uh, my first book, uh, and it, it was a prophecy. And uh, But it was also a journey for the reader uh, that, that took them through the nine insights or steps that, that, that I believe were already out there in the world uh, that people could move into and tap into in terms of, uh, you know, moving into a higher consciousness consciousness and, and, you know, in a more fulfilling life. So, yeah, I finished that book and, and uh, got it out there and, and uh, became, as you know, a, a pass-along book. So not not much that we did or the publisher did, but it just, I think what happened was it crystallized uh, what people were experiencing, these, these experience, deep experiences that uh, that people were having, and it, it kind of uh, uh, brought into uh, you know self awareness what everybody was feeling, and so it just went everywhere. You know, it was it started off uh, just in all the uh, you know the, the, the more spiritually oriented bookstores, but then it, it it crossed over in the mainstream. It was in five or six. Uh, countries, just because people were passing it along uh, across the world. So it wound up uh, it wound up being translated into 40, 40 um, languages and in different alphabets. I mean, it, 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 that's, the story spoke to people at a level they were ready to understand, and that's how to live a fulfilled life. And I think uh, it's it's uh, it's fun to be traveling around now talking about it again because there are two new generations that are passing around to each other and uh, and that makes a lot of fun. Uh, I'm having a hard time hearing you, um, so I apologize for that um, for the listeners. But um, maybe we can get a little bit of a better connection um, as we go to the break. But um, you were talking about you know people revisiting this book again. And it has been passed around from, uh, you know, friend to friend. I mean, it was interesting when I first posted about I was going to be talking with you and about the book. And I got a lot of response from people messaging me and saying, oh, I love this book. This book changed my life. And so people really have a a warm place in their in their heart and in their lives for some of the ideas that this book raised, you know, well over 20 years ago. And what I thought was interesting in the um, afterward that you write, there's a new chapter at the end of the book that's really interesting. I want people to check that out. And you said that you feel that the book has been waiting for the millennial generation to arrive and discover it. And do you think that now is a, kind of an opportune time for people to revisit some of the ideas and get maybe get a refresher yeah, what, but you know what? What I think is that uh, you know millennials are—they're uh, kind of unifiers, and they also want to move past abstractions about life in general or spirituality, and they want to to really know how to live 
live something? How does it feel? How do we do it? How do we experience uh, growth and opening the consciousness? And and I think they're asking those detailed questions right now. And it's in in my view, it's sort of bringing the whole the the you know the nine steps down to earth, so that they're you know I'm talking about them more practically. People are. Uh, you know, the feedback I get is that is that what we're doing is it's integrating these steps into our lives. And uh, in the book, in the afterward that I talked about the, in the new edition, I really talk about how we're moving from insight, you know, just the kind of aha about it, about uh, life at a higher level, and and seeing that that these these insights are really new abilities to be more creative in the world. And, and the first one is probably the the, the first insight or ability uh, is is the one that was most popular, and it's it's the discovery of the awareness of synchronicity. Yeah, this these experience of uh, experiences of meaningful coincidences that happen and that seem kind of destined in one's life, and uh, it it it. it, it it takes you, gives you information at just the right time to, to, to take your life in an inspired direction. And uh, this, this, this experience or perception of synchronicity was, uh, in, you know, as you know, that, that was coined by uh, Carl Jung, you know, the famous protege of Freud, you know, the first humanistic psychology, psychologist, I think. Um, but it was, it was, uh, it, that, concept the idea that there's a force in the world that helps bring us information and uh and opportunities at just the right time if we key into those into that synchronicity and and uh go and and adopt to adopt these other abilities or insights uh and and uh so that the synchronicity goes faster and, and you right. find more opportunities to uh, break through what's holding us back and move into a kind of flow of life that takes us to uh, a more fulfilled uh, place. And it, it kind of starts there, right? The awareness of the synchronicities. But first, I want to talk a little more about that. But don't don't move wherever you are because I'm hearing you uh, a lot better now. <laughs> so stay stay there, okay? Uh, wherever you are. Okay, um, but with synchronicity, I I love this topic um, because and I I was just reading something about this again on social media where. I think people are becoming a little bit more aware of that and to be open to those synchronicities happening in life. I was just reading a friend of mine posted that she was just going through this really horrible day yesterday and was feeling, you know, awful and drove through a drive through of some random fast food place and just wanted a Diet Coke. So as she drove through the window, the woman just said, you know, oh, here, honey, this is for you. Just like a really sweet voice and gave her this free, you know, Diet Coke. And she kind of went on her way, almost like just an angel saying, you know, this is okay. And she said she just got this realization that this was like a a message for her. It's going to be okay, even though it was just a random person at a fast food place giving her a Diet Coke. But she was aware, like more aware of that, being open to those synchronicities. And I love hearing those kind of stories and I love synchronicities because I've been trying to be more open to those things happening in my life. And, and I think that's a powerful part of the book. 
Yeah, it's it's the key part of the book, and uh, the rest of the book, and I, again, it's a story about a uh, how how one individual finds these insights. Uh, so it's an adventure story and and a lot of fun, but uh, the you know the the insights themselves make this uh, you know the synchronistic flow you can find in your life. It's it's really how to uh, build this uh, this synchronistic flow in your life that can and and realize at a higher level what you really want to do with your life in the world. And, uh, and so we could go through the insights if you want, or we can just talk talk about a few of them. Yeah, we'll kind of talk about a, th- a few of them. I have some questions here based on just rereading the book. And you're right, it is a fun read. I want people to know that too. <laughs> it, it has these kind of, you know, heavy concepts, but it's wrapped in an adventure story that is a lot of fun to read. You know, it's set in Peru. And did you travel to Peru before writing the book? Or I, have you been I back did. and forth a lot? Well, uh, for a number of years, yeah, I, I went there quite a bit because it's such a it's such a beautiful and mysterious place. You know, it's 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 a place that that just kind of reeks of the the mysteries of life, and uh, you know that 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 I had a lot of experiences personally there, um, so that's why I, I thought that would be the natural setting. Uh, but it was it's the, the thing about the thing about the book is that it takes takes the reader through each of these insights and uh, uh you know if we the, you know, the the stream is really be, becoming aware of all the uh, the, the you know the, the the full spiritual landscape of of our lives and uh, uh you know the first two are really trying to get oriented toward uh, what is, you know, what is, what are the laws of this universe? You know, what are their principles? Uh, and, and certainly, uh, the first, the, the second and the third insights are, are fun because the second insight was really a, uh, a, a redefinition of history, uh, showing that the, the world is going somewhere. The human, uh, journey is all purposeful. And uh, and has always been filled with heroes that have listened to their synchronicities and come to a truth or a, a work that has changed the world for the better. Uh, so that's really uh, and and they have they've let themselves be guided into finding this work or this mission that they uh, can accomplish in in life, you know and. And and that's key. You know, we're all here to do something, and it's uh, the mystery is finding out what that is, and and letting ourselves to be guided into it. So you do feel that we are all here for a reason, and that makes sense. But let me ask you: Do you think that everything happens for a reason? Because sometimes I have a, a hard time with that concept when you look around and you see random horrible things that happened that seem to have no meaning, you know, like why did that particular tragedy or event happen? So what do you think about that? Do you think that we assign reason to events or that there are reasons for particular things happening? Well, I think, you know, I think that the world still, the human world is still imperfect. And, and most of the terrible things that happen are still because we aren't living life. We haven't learned to 
to uh, then humanity hasn't learned exactly uh, the perspective that has to happen to uh, to live, you know, to to hear those premonitions and intuitions that keep us out of trouble. But we're learning that, and I think that we're really coming to a place where uh, what we what we can find is that uh, some events are just events, uh, and we can find meaning in those. But there are other events that are true synchronicities that are uh, opening a door for us to move into a new work or new attitude or uh, a life free of a problem that has uh, held us back uh, and ultimately to a, to a, uh, a remembering of our, uh, our mission. Right. No, I'm a big believer in signs and, and synchronicities, and I, I love to look for them. And I think that, and actually you talk about that in the book too, the more that you're aware and open to them, the more that they show up and the more signs and, and synchronicities that you get. So I love when those That's come cool. across my path. Yeah. I think it's awesome. Yeah. So we do, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to offer one more insight. The, the third insight is is the insight of, realizing there's a uh there's a karmic structure to life and uh you know we've heard about karma uh, you know forever uh and and different philosophical and religious traditions have their own uh description of that but uh i believe that uh and and i think anybody can prove to themselves that the real karmic structure is one of giving and uh, if you, when we give, when we really look to help people uh, and be helpful in general, what happens is that we draw into our lives. You know, there's a there's a kind of gravity that happens in which we draw into our lives people who help us. So we are right. how we are is sort of reflective of who we draw into our lives, uh, the, the people that come uh, through our lives. And if you're a taker, you know, if you're in any way manipulative or deceitful, if you sell people things that you know they don't need because, uh, you know, it helps you, if you think about uh, uh, any kind of uh, deception or manipulation, if you, if you misuse people in any way, then you draw into your life a, uh, the people that do that exactly the way you do it. Are very close, and because you drew, you, you draw takers, but it's not as punishment. It's to show you that the, the how you uh, that behavior hurts other people. You know, you, it's revealed to you through this process. So it's all designed for the ultimate, you know, uh, utopian uh, world that we'll get to, where uh, everybody's a giver. And when everybody's giving, and that means money and, and, and treasure, but also helpfulness and action. But when if we could get to a place where everybody was doing that, then then there would there would be enough giving to take care of every problem on the planet. So that's again something that I I believe people are coming to. And if you if you just talk to people that know nothing about in particular about spiritual growth or that kind of thing. They'll tell you what comes around goes around. That's that's what they'll say, 
and that's just down at just basic life. We know that the people who succeed in, you know, as a mom and pop store are the people that truly take care of the people's, uh, their customers' needs. And that gets around and more customers come. And if you don't, the opposite, I mean, just the opposite happens. Uh, so this is something people can prove to themselves, even though it's, it, uh, uh, and I think it's, it's, it's actually, um, refreshing and encouraging that that's really how it's set up. We just have to, uh, all of us move into that, that structure and then right. be in alignment with that. No, that's true. And I think that you see demonstrations of that whenever there's some kind of disaster or something like that. Unfortunately, that seems to be what it takes, where I think it is our innate nature to help and cooperate. Like people will rise to the occasion and and help, you know, if there's a disaster or a fire or something like that. Um, We shouldn't be pushed to that. I don't think we should want to really do it. But I do think that it is really in our in our makeup. And I've also read, too, that, you know, the old theories of survival of the fittest and that kind of thing. It's really what's caused species to survive was cooperation, not so much taking over and conquering of the other. But the the species that cooperate and work together are the ones that thrive. So maybe we we need to take a look at that a little bit more. (laughs) Yeah. Well, listen, that that insight alone will change will change your life i mean because uh if you concentrate on just just giving of time and i mean most people do anyway but to really uh concentrate on that as a uh you know as a kind of experiment if nothing else uh anybody can prove to themselves that they draw more givers into their lives and their lives go easier uh and and more synchronicity happens because more people show up who are there to give you information and uh you know it's uh it's all set up you know the world the world is set up for that to happen we're just only now really moving into it i think right well we have about 5 minutes until the break but i do have a caller here since since we're live <laughs> live sure. on the air so let me grab our caller before the break and let's go to line 2 and heather calling from austin texas and heather welcome to the show hi heather hi diane hi james hi how hi. are you wow What an honor to speak to you. I have to say I'm one of those people that told Diane this book changed my life. So I am really honored to be speaking to you. Well, it's it's really fun to be here, and and, uh, uh, I love it when people have gotten something from the book, and and, uh, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Well, thank you. I I do have a question. So I, I would have to say the third insight, in the first book, um, they visit a garden, and uh, there are people who are able to see a type of energy with the plants, and they sort of see uh, that humans can contribute and add their uh, goodwill or their good intentions to those plants. And I have to say that <clears throat> my whole life has been about that. And I, I'm a gardener for a living. Um, I, that's, I sometimes think I feel like I maybe have more friends that are flowers and trees and plants <laughs> than people, but I do have a lot of people friends too. But um, 
I have a question for you about this sort of uh, energy exchange. And so first I want to ask yes. you, is it based on a real place? Did you go someplace that was like that garden? Yes, I did. Was it in it's Peru? There. That's right. Ah, because I thought maybe it was Stindhorn or Damanhur. So I was really curious <laughs> if there is a community like that. So um, I would love yeah, to but, visit. Do you know, do you know the, that this exists? Well, there was a community like that. Uh, ah. It, 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 it turned into seeds and blew uh, different to other places and and uh you know the finhorn was uh was was one of the places that uh um got fed by by this uh, the group that I'm talking about but you know it uh, people are there are groups like this all over the place and uh and in practicing giving you know i mean they mm-hmm. maybe maybe everybody uh, everybody doesn't see auras you know, it's it's auric energy, and you know, it's it's uh, uh, that you see in giving like that. But you know, that's an absolutely real process. Uh, you know, when you give energy, uh, the the field of the other person energizes, gets gets larger because you're adding your energy to it, and uh, and and then if they if they're doing the same thing, you know, they turn around and consciously you know, look at, at you uh, and, and, and sending uh, energy. Uh, it's really sending regard. It's, it's sending uh, love in a real sense. Uh, but what happens is the two people doing that, they can just build energy, and that's, uh, that, makes, that, that solves a lot of problems in, in, in communication. If, you know, there are a lot of control dramas dramas out there uh you know in the human world now not as many though but they're mm-hmm. they're still out there and power struggles happen and uh but just giving and two people especially giving to each other really solves that issue hey diane this sounds like denise's book energy strands right between two people the it energy does. going back and forth yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, so interesting. Wait, hold, hold on, hold on, Heather. We're gonna go to we're gonna go to a break, but I want you to stay because this was the direction I was gonna go into asking about the energy fields in the next segment. So hang on, okay? Awesome. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna okay, awesome. I'm gonna put you on hold. We'll be right back. And I want I want all the listeners to stay as well. We're gonna continue our conversation with James Redfield revisiting the Celestine prophecy. Practical spirituality. Positive messages. This is Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. It takes you to power Unity Online Radio. If you'd like to make a positive difference in the world, you can by contributing to this global ministry. Unity Online Radio relies on listeners like you to support our broadcasts that send our messages out to an awakening world. Go to unityonlineradio.org and click on Donate today. Here's a Unity Mindful Moment with Eric Butterworth, taken from the live lecture, A Course in Practical Metaphysics. Emily Cady, in her Lessons in Truth, makes a statement which I think we need to kind of think about a little bit. She says, God is not a being with qualities or attributes. 
but he is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, wisdom, etc. He is the good itself coming into expression as life, love, power, and wisdom. In other words, and this again is, is shattering to some of us, God is not loving. So God is a loving God. God is not loving because the moment we talk about God is loving, we've got the anthropomorphic Michelangelo like God sitting up in a crowd somewhere with his heart beaming out and saying, oh, I love you all down there, see you so dearly, as long as you're good. But I'm not going to love you very much if you don't go to church and so forth. God is not loving. God is love. To find out more about Eric Butterworth, visit unity.org. Join Travel with Unity 2020 for a transformational trip to Rome and the Amalfi Coast, March 26th to April 4th, and explore the culture, myths, and spiritual significance of Southern Italy. You'll experience the history of the ancient ruins of Pompeii, visit the Vatican, and spend time on the beautiful Amalfi Coast during this 10-day tour. Just 40 seats are available and space is limited, so reserve your trip before September 15th. Go to unity.org travel for more information today. Since 1924, Daily Word has offered inspiration and practical teachings through daily prayer messages to help people of all faiths live happy, healthy lives. The magazine includes two months of daily affirmations, messages, articles, and spiritual poetry to help you get inspired. Subscriptions are available for print editions in large type and Spanish, as well as the digital subscription package that includes the online magazine with audio, smartphone app, and daily email. Get your subscription today. Visit dailyword.com or unity.org. More and more people are interested in a vegan lifestyle, and the numbers continue to grow. Join Victoria Moran every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central for Main Street Vegan and learn how to make the shift to help animals and the planet. Each week, Victoria shares recipes, health tips, and interviews with celebrity vegans, experts, and activists. Learn how to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Right here on Unity Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Call now with your question or comment. 816-251-3555. That's 816-251-3555. Welcome back to Be Present, The Diane Ray Show. Thanks for staying with me through the break. I'm Diane Ray. Welcome back to the show. We're having a great conversation here with author James Redfield, revisiting the Celestine Prophecy after 25 years, just a spiritual classic, a book that's been passed around from family to family, friend to friend, and is, is so fun to revisit and, and, and still really relevant today. I really love the story. And before the break, we were talking with our caller, Heather, from Austin, Texas, about one of the insights that James discusses in the book. And so I wanted Heather to finish her question talking about energy and an exchange of energy. So let's bring her back. Hi, Diane. There she is. Thanks for holding on, Heather, through the break. Can you hear me? Hi. Um, Yes. Yes. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, Heather, I'm glad you brought this up. He is here. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Diane, I was mentioning that you had another guest with another book that we both love called Energy Strands, and it speaks about that connection between people, how this energy can flow back and forth. But with my world really being about, um, well, I had written, Diane, I had written one manuscript, James, about kind of not so much 
how we garden, but why we garden and like the seasons of our lives, how they correlate with what we do in gardens. Because I always find myself coaching people about their lives when I'm talking to them about their gardens. But anyway, so the new work I'm working on is more about how like our bodies are affected by what we consume and what we look at and what we listen to. And so I was wanted to ask you specifically with this third insight and your beautiful what is a true story about this garden in Peru where this energy is flowing back and forth in humans. I don't know, and plants, I don't know if you feel like, you know, now veganism is a lot more prevalent or at least a lot more awareness of a plant-based diet, people drinking juices, understanding there's like vitality in plants. But I also believe there is consciousness in plants and that we have to like, acknowledge or eventually move toward acknowledging that there is that same energy exchange that might go on between two people of good intention and bad intention, but it also goes on with plants. And so I wondered if you could speak about that. Sure. I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who really believe plants are conscious and uh, they, they bring stability. Uh, I think a lot of the, uh, the, the, uh, you know the good feelings that we get in a say an old gro- old growth forest or uh, you know a, a vista uh, in mountains. You know, uh, you know the plants bring uh, peace, uh, and and it's a, they're kind of to me they're kind of a, a buffer of energy where you you can go out and if there's if there are a lot of them. And they, it's dense. And I used to go out. I used to hike out two miles in an old growth forest, and 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 camp out and meditate. And and you know, if you do that, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a special kind of meditation, because what you feel is a kind of serenity, and uh, that um, that that elevates you. And you know, you take it back into the real world out into the busy human world uh, with you. So I'm right there. I think uh, they're buffers and and helpers in a a big way in terms of uh, consciousness and how we can, you know, stay in a a positive uh, spiritual consciousness more of the time. I'm reading uh, Dr. Quinn Lee's book, Forced Bathing, right now, and um, he's a Japanese scientist and he's talking exactly what you're speaking about but I also feel like I try to coach people that you know we don't all have the either the availability of an old growth forest or the time to go but I know Diane like uh, you've experienced yoga practice on the beach or just a moment where you're walking home or you look up in the sky like it's that connection with nature you still have that opportunity really just in one breath you know, to reconnect. I think it's like a portal for human beings. And I, what you said is so touching about giving, like nature wants to give to us. And we somehow, sometimes are so mindless in our destruction of nature that we don't realize that we're giving away the gift, the thing that we really were looking for in that destruction of nature. So I really yeah, appreciate I, your work. I, I really, um, I don't want to take too much of your time, but I wonder, is there anywhere else you you could send me other than Peru? <laughs> um, <laughs> for Peru, yeah. information? <laughs> um, well, you know, anywhere where there's a inhabitable jungle, you know, uh, uh, where you can, 
uh, you know, there there are you know one of the ways that we uh, that we preserve these special places, these wilderness wilderness places, is that you know so many people now have retreats that they you know very uh, you know thoughtfully uh, sink into these these beautiful energy places and and. Uh, you know, there there are just so many of them now. Costa Rica, yes, it's all over the place there. There's uh, Mexico. You know, you 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 have in you know just close flights that you can find and you get into this real deep energy, uh, deep forest uh, uh, jungle areas that you know can rejuvenate you. And there you'll find a retreat there, uh, and. Uh, it's 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 a lot easier now to find places like that that you know you can just dash to uh, in a weekend you know uh, at times and um, but it's you know the, you, the one thing that you mentioned that that uh, struck a chord with me we you know when uh, the reason I'm out here with you know the reissue uh, of the Celestine prophecy you know the publisher called me and said you know there are two new generations passing this book around like crazy. And we want you to write an afterward about how to uh, how to live this, not just uh, you know, reread it and have you know really get inspired again, but but live in that inspiration. And and I I did some research and it's true. You know, millennials are participating in meditation at, at enormous rates. Uh, there's, in fact, there's more meditation happening in the world than ever before, ever. And uh, you know, it in because I think that millennials have, you know, they haven't engaged the world uh, as, uh, so much yet. But but they're young, you know, they're young. They're just this. The majority of millennials are just now passing, you know, 35. So. And what happens at, at 36 and 38 is you start looking for your true work. You know, what do I really want to do with my life? And I think that that, that surge in consciousness is happening. Also, uh, the older millennial children are looking at college coming up really quickly. So they're asking larger questions. And then you've got baby boomers who suddenly, you know, a lot of them are retiring and uh, and so they're thinking, well, what I want, you know, how can I leave a better legacy in the world, uh, you know, for my my children and grandchildren? <laughs> so I believe what's happening is a real new time in the world where we have these multi generations tuning into consciousness, asking the large questions, and we're doing a, you know, we're doing a tour around the release of, uh, of the Celsian prophecy again. Uh, dedicated Come to, to Austin. Austin's yeah, great. So, so, yeah, today we got voted best city in in the U.S. to live, right? Well, <laughs> we we're on our way to Austin. We'll be in Austin before it's over, but we've we've got a lot of dates already set. And uh, anybody who is interested in that can just Google the Celestine Prophecy Tour, and they'll get awesome. they'll get all the dates and where we're going to be. Because what's happening, I believe, is that millennials and their children and and also sort of re-energized baby boomers are seeking to 
take these insights, take these, you know, and everybody has to remember, I didn't make these insights up. I described what was already occurring in the world, the insights that are, are already here for us to tap into. Um, and I think that these multi-generations are now sort of bringing it down to earth, bringing it down to everyday life in a, in a larger way so that, you know, there is a step into consciousness that include these synchronicities and the awareness of karma and uh, the sense that we can, we can, we can find a meditation uh, that works in, in our events. That's what we, we concentrate on a new meditation that I really think works great mindfulness meditation. And what that does is it allows you to find your peace enough so that what happens is you get in touch with your intuitive uh, guidance. And that's mm. what, that's what's the, at the core of having a synchronistic life because we get, mm-hmm. we get intuitive hits about what to do, where to go. We we get a, a intuitive hit of our ultimate maybe dream job or dream mission out there, and if we allow ourselves to be guided this way, tune in like that. Uh, what happens is that we can step into a kind of life of destiny that is the most fun you could, we could possibly have, and and so the the world is still difficult, but I believe that we're finding a way to to use. You know, spiritual principles to to really move through life in a way that uh, is more fun, more productive, and using our intuition, we navigate it around a lot of trouble that we might run into otherwise. That's right. exactly what I coach too. Hey, Dan, it's when the mud when the muddy water settles, the blossom arises, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, yeah, lo- I love that, that quote. Call, right? <laughs> I'm, and I'm look. I am. I'm looking at it right now. That's so true. I, I yeah, still kept so, it. Yeah. And thanks so much for the cool. question. Thank you. you know. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, James, we'll be looking for you here in Austin, and I will. I'll bring you a bunch of Gen Zers. Like I'll bring you these twenty-year-olds that are all asking me. Like they all want to grow food. They all want to meditate. I mean, there's a bunch of young young kids that are very, very motivated to get into alignment with synchronicity and create a better wave for the future. So I'm optimistic about the future, and I'm really glad you're bringing this book back. Yay, you. That's great. That's great. Uh, Thank thank you. you. Thanks, Heather. And remember, people that are listening, go to the CelestineProphecyTour.com. Is that what people should Google, James? Yes. That's all the information about our tour stops and and, you know, what I say on from in, in interviews is, hey, if you want us to come to your uh, uh, location, wherever it is, um, with this message, uh, plan something. Let us know. And just to kind of uh, bounce off a little bit on what Heather brought up, because I think she brings up a good point. Even though we may think that things are are so dire and in such a bad state, which, which it is <laughs> somewhat – but the the good news is that re, you know rereading the book and then reading the afterward and looking where we are now. You know, you're talking about the millennials and and Heather brought up that younger people are interested in these concepts and, and in these insights. I mean, you know, talking about energy medicine and some of the things that you bring up in the book were not readily discussed. You know, 25 years ago when you first wrote this, and actually now. I have a, an insurance plan that covers Reiki. 
believe it or not, and, and energy medicine. And so we are, it is, it's amazing. It's a, it's a new uh, plan that I just um, signed on to, but people are, are taking it more seriously. It's not just kind of crazy woo woo stuff that they do recognize that we are made of energy and and that that's true. It exists. That's right. And uh, you know, I have a integrative physician that, that, you know, uses, and a, a chiropractor who uses a, a, a lot of energy devices now. And, uh, you know, you, you just go looking for a lot of energy devices. There's a PEMF uh, machine that's out there a lot of people have at their disposal. It's a healing miracle. Uh, and uh, there's just a lot. And, you know, interestingly, uh, there's been a door opened uh, you know, usually the you know the pharmaceutical companies kind of have a, uh, a a control of heavy thumb on uh, on practices, but uh, there's been an opening in this last year to uh, to be able to go out and and find alternative practices that work for you uh, because they're allowed to talk more about it. It's funny that it came out of the. the uh, it, was, it came out of basically uh, the right to try bill, but it includes uh, other alternative uh, medicines that the FDA cannot suppress any longer. Right. And people are discussing more how meditation is working for them. Like you're seeing a lot more celebrities, you know, I've heard Howard Stern, Jerry Seinfeld, a lot of people talking about how they use TM you know, transcendental meditation on a regular basis. So, I mean, that is one good thing that shifted from the time that you first wrote this book until now, that people are becoming more aware of the energetic world that they're living in and and how it can work and how that they can tune into it. And in the new chapter that you wrote in the afterword, you offer some exercises and suggestions for people to do that. Is that that something you practice uh, regularly yourself, those meditation exercises? Absolutely, because meditation works, and you know we're multidimensional. You know we, you know we have, we have an ego that is kind of the whatever level self awareness we have and how we navigate through life. You know those are all ego decisions. That's part of our mental makeup, but we have a whole intuitive intelligence that we're only now learning to download, uh, and if you. Uh, if you do both in meditation, so in me- in meditation, it's a way to find peace, you know, and I think the best meditation is one that's heart-centered, uh, in which you are seeking an opening of the heart uh, based by the, the, uh, the true emotion of authentic love, not love with an object, but love as a state. Uh, and what happens in that, with that meditation is that you, you get a, a peace that you know the all the mystics and all the all the the mystics of every religion have some version of of uh, this truism that we can find a peace within us that defies all explanation. You know, it's a it's metaphysical. It's it's a spiritual opening that happens, and you know we're. You know, people are people are finding meditation to relax, but they're also breaking through to their, uh, you know, their what I call their heart power, 
and uh, that that amplifies your intention. Uh, one of the steps, you know, in the in, in the afterward is to is to amplify your intention power, and you do that by being on the right side of karma, listening to your intuitions on what to intend, and then set this kind of prayer intention power going in your life. Now, to me, I believe about intention, we finally put all the pieces together of about intention. You know, the the secret, if you remember that book that came out, it, it broke a lot of new ground and, and, and raised questions for everything, but it didn't have all the ingredients in it. Um, and I believe in terms of pure prayer intention based, based in authentic love, you know, we can we can create we can create things uh, uh, more easily now than ever before. Right, and you feel that these experiences, like you said, are open and available to all of us. And I know in, intention is very powerful. Uh, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer, the power of intention. I have to have to mention uh, Dr. Dyer. Uh, I I love that yeah. book and and his teachings. You know, and he and he talked about that a lot as well. And then you call this authentic spirituality. And is that what you're talking about? Where that heart centered love comes in? Is that to you an authentic That's right. spirituality? That's right. You know, there are there are all these. And I love the human potential movement because since Carl Jung, we have we've discovered really, you know. All the ingredients and 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 all the chief experiences of spirituality, a true spirituality, authentic spirituality, not not just within. I mean, it can be done within any religion. You know, that's that's the great part. You can you can grow up in any religion and you can still find all these spiritual experiences. But but all the religions don't acknowledge all of the experiences. So it's a big learning curve that's bursting out out there where we finally have a spiritual uh, operating manual for planet Earth, in my view. I mean, we really are, in my view, now with these two new, new generations coming on board, we're putting it something into practice that I believe has never been done before. And um, it's pretty uh, awing and, and uh, a lot of fun to talk about. Oh, definitely. And and some of the things that you share in the book, like in the last uh, part of the book, the ninth insight, where they're experiencing actually being able to raise and lower vibration and to raise your vibration up to a point where you're disappearing to other people because they're not on they're not on that same level. I mean, that's pretty cool to think about. And I've, I've also read uh, from other authors that uh, one one in particular, Alberto Violdo, feels that we're evolving to be homo luminous, is what he calls it. That we're <laughs> going to be light beings, and that's cool to think about too. <laughs> well, I think that. What do you think? Without a doubt, without a doubt, happening, and it, you know, that's the the the, the sort of the the key revelation in the Salting Prophecy that you know this 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 idea of a rapture, you know, of, of of humans realizing that they they may think they're made out of material and stuff, uh, real, you know, stuff. But ultimately, what we are made of is atoms, you know, vibrating at a certain level, and those vibrations can increase. And 
what happens is I do believe that the human culture will keep growing uh, in consciousness until uh, our, we will be in, the, in light bodies, and, and probably that will end the cycle of birth and death. And that's cool to think about <laughs> when I try to imagine us getting to a, a place like that. I mean, you look at where we are now and, and we still have a long way to go. But I mean, don't you think that sometimes you have to hit the bottom before you get get to the top? And, and maybe that this is just a correction that we're going through or a shift. And we are actually evolving to that place that you talk about in the book. Yeah, correction is a Correction is a really good word for it, I think. I, I believe that, uh, you know, right now you could, you know, our, our, our chief issue is environmental, in my view. Uh, and I mean, I mean, the right, you know, right next door uh, uh, environmental, not not the climate or anything like that, so much as the, the amount of poisonous chemicals, poisonous chemicals that, that are being released into the, into the biosphere every year, uh, and uh, deforestation and those kinds of things, overpopulation. Uh, those are the main issues uh, to deal with. But and 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 human suffering, you know, uh, poverty and and uh, uh, children starving. You know, you, we have to we have to look at that straight on while we talk about our utopian dreams and figure out well what is it about the spiritual consciousness that's evolving uh, that's going to solve all these problems. And, and I think, you know, uh, frankly, I think the giving, the giving, uh, the, the giving sort of foundation of this world uh, is all oriented to giving. And, and you, if you're a giver, you know, people come and give to you. And that, if that, if that catches on and, it, and we start to do it with money more, uh, helping people with money more use use uh, the, the you know the old tithing kinds of dynamics that I think anybody can prove to themselves. If you start giving your giving money away, and and what happens is that you can't outgive what comes back to you. And uh, I think that's another thing that uh, that people can prove to themselves. And if everybody would give. To the places where it needs to be given to, uh, just just seven percent, not ten, seven. We could fix everything with that money. Everything, poverty, environment, all of it. So again, I, the the horn I blow loudest is that you know if we turn if we turn human society in, uh, uh, into a giving society, so they see the power. Uh, that comes from giving, uh, the good karma, the, the 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 intuitive downloads that keep you from making mistakes that make you suffer. Uh, all those things. I mean, we we can intuit our way into a, a much more ideal life and, and an ideal world. Right. No, I love that. And it's such a great way to be able to wrap up this time with you. We have just about a minute here, but you did mention that you're going to be out touring and speaking about the concepts in the book, The Celestine Prophecy. And what's the best way for people to reach you, the best website? 
Well, my personal uh, website is celestinevision.com. Uh, uh, com. Uh, and if you just if anybody Google's James Redfield, that'll come up, or the Celtic Prophecy, that'll come up. It'll all come up, and uh, you know that's that's to get in touch and, and keep up with what we're doing. Uh, but we're, we're, we really want to uh, offer the idea that there are spiritual principles that are out there that we really haven't fully implemented yet. We haven't. We haven't uh, integrated fully in our own lives or in uh, in the values of, of society. But if we do, at least at least at this point, I I, I believe that we, we know what these principles are and how to do this, and that's that's really feels uh, rewarding. Well, thank you so much for sharing your vision with us, and I hope people. Keep on the lookout for you, James Redfield and the Celestine Prophecy. Thank you so much for talking with me today. Thank you for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.